Today's feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary into Heaven is the oldest of all the Marian feast days in the Church. It's celebrated by the Orthodox Christians. It, in fact, was celebrated by most of the, the Protestant Reformers. They, Martin Luther himself held Mary in great esteem, especially in his earlier years. As time went on, uh, more and more Protestants began to, to no longer celebrate this feast because of the anti-Catholicism that began to develop within, within um, certain Protestant groups, particularly here in the United States. The, the Protestants really became anti-Catholic, much more so than they were across Europe, to the point that today, I don't know of any Protestants that celebrate this feast day in the United States with the exception of some Anglicans and some Episcopalians. And uh, there might be some others that I'm unfamiliar with. Nevertheless, it's the oldest of all the feast days of Mary. What do we celebrate today? It's, it's uh, like Mary's resurrection. It's Mary assuming body and soul into heaven. We all know that when we die, there's the separation of the body and the soul. For example, when Jesus died, his body is hanging on the cross. His soul goes to the underworld. In the Apostles' Creed, we say he descended into hell. And then on the third day, he rose again from the dead. When he rose, his body and soul joined together again. And then when he ascended into heaven 40 days after his resurrection, he went body and soul into heaven in, his, in the glorified manner. His body no, no longer susceptible to death. The same thing happened with Mary. That right now, as I'm talking to you, she's in heaven with her body and soul, completely a human being, but yet glorified. No longer death has power over her. It's, it's such a great mystery. How do we know this? I don't know if you read my bulletin article this last Sunday. I talked a bit about it. Can you imagine being one of the early apostles or one of the early disciples? First of all, if you happen to not know Mary and you come to know Jesus, or maybe you even come to know Jesus after he has ascended into heaven. You come to know him through the apostles, through the disciples. People talk to you about Jesus. And then you experience firsthand Jesus' presence in the Holy Eucharist as you come to celebrate Mass. You come to experience it within your life. Your whole life begins to change. And then you hear that Jesus' mom is still alive. And you're like, I want to meet her. I want to hear firsthand stories of this, this woman who raised Jesus from a little boy. And most likely, if you're able, you know, if she's living uh, not far from where you are, uh, most likely you and I would go to meet her and go to see her. And then when she dies, we of course are going to want to come visit her grave, especially if we live close by. No one's ever going to forget where she's buried, ever because she's, she's so special. And because she's so special, of course, you and I would hand it down to our kids and grandkids and so forth to, till today. You know, we, we would still know where Mary was buried. We do, in fact, do know where she was buried. But what ended up happening is when the disciples came back to visit her at her grave, to visit her remains, they came and she wasn't there. Very similarly, which took place when you know, Mary Magdalene and some of the other apostles came to Jesus' tomb. The stone was rolled back. He's not there. And then they're like, what's, what's going on? And then, of course, Jesus appears to them, and he tells them, well, I, I told you for three years I was going to rise from the dead. You know, and he didn't say it specifically like that, but it's so clear that Jesus told them multiple times he would die and rise. 
but it's not until they experienced him that they believed it, they came to understand it. So when the same thing happened to Mary, they, they of course, then knew and they began to celebrate the feast every year, August 15th, um, her death, but more so her assumption into heaven. I, I want to I mention a few things from our readings. So in our gospel reading, it's the story of, of Mary. Uh, it's the story of, of Mary going to visit her cousin Elizabeth. As she goes to visit her cousin, Elizabeth says to her, Blessed are you among women. Blessed are you among women. And then when Mary responds with her Magnificat, she says, From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me. Why are all generations going to call Mary blessed? It's because of what God has done in her. It's not because she's like, you know, special all by herself. She's not. But it's because she's so receptive to God's grace towards her. And because she's so receptive to God's grace towards her, she begets the God of the universe. She has Jesus, the Son of God, who saves us. And then, of course, Jesus, who loves her, you know, more than, I, I think one could say this, he loves her more than any other human being. The fact that she's his mother. He, of course, as the church uh, knows, you know, from history, he, he raised her to the heights of heaven, to glory. One, one other point, I don't know if you caught it in our, in our first reading. In our first reading, it, it began like this. This is from the book of Revelation. It says, God's temple in heaven was open, and the ark of his covenant could be seen in the temple. And then immediately it says that it speaks about this woman clothed with the sun. And you're like, well, what happened to the Ark of the Covenant? It's because Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant. The old Ark of the Covenant that, that the Israelites had, it was there in the temple. And what was the Ark of the Covenant? It held three things within it. It held the two tablets that, that uh, God had given to Moses, the law, the Ten Commandments. It held the staff of Aaron, the great high priest, and it held a bowl of manna. Those three things were inside the box. But also the Ark of the Covenant made present God's presence upon this earth. The temple, the Ark of the Covenant, was said to be God's footstool where God met humanity. In the new covenant that is established in Jesus' blood, Mary becomes that Ark of the Covenant. She becomes the one, as we all clearly know in bringing us Jesus, she becomes the one who brings us Jesus, who brings us God. She's so well joined to Jesus, she's so well connected, that, that the two are one in unity, just like all Christians are. With, with all those in heaven, all the saints, all the angels, they're, they're in complete unity, in complete communion. The sacrament of the Holy Eucharist, the sacrament of Holy Communion, is to bring that about within us, that already now, before we're in heaven, is to unite us, is to bring us together so that you and I may, may become even saintly on this earth. But Mary's called the new Ark of the Covenant, and she makes present not the Ten Commandments, but the giver of the law. She makes present not a bowl of manna, bread that lasts for a day, but she makes present 
the true bread from heaven, the Holy Eucharist. And of course, she doesn't make present a staff of a priest, but she brings us the priest himself, Jesus Christ. I'm going to close with this. Our, our responsorial psalm says this, The queen stands at your right hand arrayed in gold. It's Psalm 45, and it goes through and it talks about the, the marriage of the king. As the bride comes on into the palace, to the right of the king is the queen. And in the Jewish culture, it was always the mother who was the queen. It was not the wife, most likely because many of the Judaic kings had multiple wives. And which one are you going to appoint as queen? You only have one mother, so they always chose the mother. On August 22nd, we celebrate the queenship of Mary. As Mary is assumed into heaven, as she is given her rightful place within the Jewish culture, she becomes the queen. Not just the queen of the Jewish people, but she becomes the queen of the whole world because her son, the king, is the king of the whole world. But what's also interesting, she, she is raised higher than the angels. In the created world, so of course God is first, you know, nothing's higher than the creator, the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next comes the angels. After the angels comes humanity. After humanity comes animals. After animals comes, you know, plants. After that comes all inanimate objects. But in God becoming one of us, he raises humanity above the angels. The reason is, is because in being joined to Christ, we're, we're, we're being joined to God in a way that the angels never can. Because God didn't become an angel. God became a human being. And therefore, when, when the queen, the mother of the king, is, is assumed into heaven, she then also is queen of the angels. Regina Chaley. I don't know if you've heard that, that song. Regina Chaley, Laetare, Hallelujah. It's, a, it's an Easter hymn. Regina Chaley means Queen of Heaven, the Queen that, that is above all. So at this Mass, let's pray for two graces. Let's pray for the grace that we may respect Mary just as Jesus does. We may honor her with great love, like, uh, like her son does, like the King does, but also that we may grow in holiness, that we may recall that that without Mary, we don't have the Mass. We don't have this church. We don't have any of the sacraments. In fact, none of us wouldn't even exist without Mary. And I say that because our ancestors were Christians, and because of their influence, we came about. So let's, let's thank God for what a great grace, as well as the grace to honor her like Jesus, and the grace to grow in holiness like her.